Good evening. The Adventures of the Tomorrow Christian Today. Reading Revelation 9 in the NLT. Yep, I was Googling my little friend here. I think I'll call him Tiny. He's definitely a guppy fry. And guppy fry have a digestion cycle of 30 minutes, which means they're eating every 30 minutes. Because he's trying to eat stuff off the algae from um, a log that I put into the 2.5 gallon. This is quite amazing. And he shows no signs of shock with the water and he's got some snail buddies. I don't think the tank is properly cycled. I have learned a lot about cycling from YouTube. I've, you know, I've looked at YouTube videos. I look at some of the people who are content creators on YouTube. A lot of information on YouTube um, to be gotten. You know, I used to have aquariums when I was 18 or 19. I knew nothing about the nitrogen cycle. I just bought a fish, brought it home, you know, had a heater and filter. That was it. And there's so much more knowledge. And God is amazing to have created all these different cycles, all these different kinds of bacteria all these different kinds of life forms that are beautiful and strange. And this little guy definitely can see me because when I approach the glass and I'm six inches away and I wave my hand, he, he runs away. But then he comes back. He's all eyes, a big stomach, and I can see his spine all the way to his tail. But he's really tiny. And he's guppy fry. And I should name him Tiny. So we got Gerald the Terror of the Seven Seas in a five-gallon. But we've got tiny here in the 2.5 gallon. I was going to put shrimp into this, but maybe I might just put guppies instead because I think they're a little bit hardier. I mean, I always thought of guppies as, eh, just whatever, just normal common fish, but he's very cute and maybe it might be easier than raising shrimp. Like I've got shrimp with Gerald. I don't know if that was a good idea because I was reading that shrimp can, uh, they can come out in the day when they're not afraid, but because of predation or, you know, fish like Gerald, who's now a terror, and um, they become nocturnal. They, they go back to their natural nocturnal state, and they just come out at night. Because I bought shrimp so I could actually see them and enjoy them, and I can't see them. I see them walking around, but then they're gone because they have to live in, in terror of Gerald. So I don't know if I really did a good thing by putting shrimp in with a betta fish. Um, you can do that if you have a lot of cover, which they do have a lot of cover, but I just don't really see them. And the whole point of buying fish is you can see them and enjoy them. You know, if you've got such a covered aquarium uh, that you cannot see the fish that you have bought and want to enjoy, that's kind of a, that's kind of a fail. So, but I hope that they don't, um, they don't die like the last ones because the last ones, the last shrimp that I bought, I did not drip acclimate them, which is where you put them in a bucket and then you just drip water from the aquarium for about two hours and then they 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 get used to the water they're going into and they don't go into shock see i have learned quite a, a a bit anyways speaking of strange why don't we um start reading revelation 9 and i know that i forgot to pray in the last podcast and i hate when i do that because when i was reading the chapter in church today i also forgot to pray and i was supposed to pray the prayer of illumination and I forgot to do that. And I hate when I do that. So why don't I pray? Because it goes better when we pray. Dear Lord, please forgive me for not being in the habit. Whenever we read your word, we want to have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wrote the word. You are the word made flesh and King Jesus. And you have come from your father, which is the Holy Spirit and the word that came upon the whole universe and upon earth and took 
chaos and turned it into order. So come into our hearts, give us peace, give us joy that only you can. Give us spiritual discernment. Help us to read the Bible. Help us to be motivated to read it. Help us to want to study it. Help us to um, have an opinion, Lord. Give us thoughts and ideas, um, but also hear other people's opinions. Help us to know what is opinions, what is hermeneutics, what is homiletics, and what are relationship. What are the things that are absolutely essential for our salvation? We want to know the difference and we want to know what is important and we don't want to fight over the secondary things or the weeds. We want to know the primary from the secondary and the primary is having a relationship with you and loving other people because that is what the Holy Spirit gives us, the fruits of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for listening and help us, Lord, to understand what we are reading. Amen. Today, the pastor used the word homiletics. So, you know, hermeneutics was a big fancy word that I learned from my friend in the church, hermeneutics, you know, studying the Bible, having opinions from the Bible, interpretate, being able to interpret the Bible. And the pastor today used the word homiletics, which is something to do with preaching. So I've heard this word before and now he used a big fan. So now I know another word, homiletics and hermeneutics. So mark that down because maybe we'll be able to use that and be able to more clearly discern the difference. It's good to nurse some of these terms you know, I always think the cerebral, um, I'm not here to use cerebral terms so I can impress people. You know, the Sadducees and the Pharisees were doing that. Jesus was not impressed. He wanted them to know God and to know him, and they didn't. Let's read. The fifth trumpet brings the first terror. So we've had four trumpets before, four angels, four trumpets, and it was woe, woe, woe. And now we have the fifth trumpet. Verse 1. Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet and I saw a star that had fallen to earth from the sky and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. When he opened it, smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace and the sunlight and air turned dark from the smoke. So in Dr. MacArthur's study notes, uh, he was supposing the star is actually an angel, even Satan himself. And in Revelation 9, he falls to earth from the sky. And we know that Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And Satan took three, a third of the angels, which is a big number. I don't know if it's exactly a third uh, of the angels with him. He convinced one third of the angels that God was wrong and he was right. And they left heaven or they were banished from heaven. And it says he's given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. What is the bottomless pit? Do you ever remember an episode of the Flintstones where it was like Dr. No? So Dr. No grabs Fred and Barney and he's, he's trying to terrorize them because they apparently have some plans that he wants. And he says, you see this, see this pit here? When I drop this rock here, you will not hear it. And then he drops the rock and you don't hear anything. And Fred and Barney go, I've told you for the last time. All we were doing is going to the store. Yeah, because our wives told us to for some bread and for some milk. And then they ended up getting out of that by chopping the guy in the head who was holding them both. But I digress. But the bottomless pit sounds like something, an endless chasm. And it sounds bleak and it sounds desolate. And I have been told that the word used in Genesis for the earth was pit. It was a formless pit. The earth was void. Um formless and void and then all of a sudden now um an angel is banished to the bottomless pit is he banished to earth is this an is this a metaphorical way of talking about earth is this the earth now or the earth to come 
Like in Revelation 20, this is what it says. Listen to Revelation 20, and we've, we've discussed this before. But listen to this language. Now, this is English, but so sometimes when they translate from the Hebrew and the Greek, as I understand, they translate a word and we don't have the same word or something. So we use the same word. We use like pit or something, but it may not be the same. Um, it may not be the same word in Hebrew or the same word in Greek. But it says here in Revelation 20, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit. So, and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer. So in Revelation 20, um, some an angel uh, is given the key to the bottomless pit. Well, in Revelation 9, it says he is given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Is that the same thing? Is that the same angel? And if it is, then maybe it's not Satan. It's somebody else. Is it a good angel or a bad angel? Like uh, when the destroyer destroyed the babies in um, that, that night, that last plague, God said, I'm going to send a plague. He said to Moses, get ready because you're going to be leaving. I'm going to send the last plague. It's the destroyer. It's somebody who's going to kill the firstborn. Was that Satan or was that God himself? And I know it's a horrendous thing to say that, but was that God executing judgment? Or was that God saying to an evil angel or one of his angels, okay, this is what I have determined is going to happen. Go and make it so. And maybe there is definitive scripture and that I have not understood that sort of... Um, negates what I just theorized. So maybe my theory is wrong or incomplete. And I don't really want to be theorizing things, but obviously these are spiritual matters. And it says here in Revelation 9, somebody has been given authority over the bottomless pit. I'm not even sure what the bottomless pit is, but it sounds bleak and it's smoke. It, it sounds like, I don't know if you all, you know, read the comics, you know, Superman was always fighting this guy named dark said and he was part of a world that was like like a huge furnace it was just a bleak horrible world that he was the king of you know dark said was kind of like a version of the devil anyways it says locusts came from the smoke and descended on the earth and they were given power to sting like scorpions they were told not to harm the grass or plants or trees but only the people who did not have the seal of god on their foreheads well didn't we just read that something like that in revelation 7 so in revelation 7 it says the following, and because I've often wondered what, what this meant. Revelation 7, verse 3, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Then this angel here is told, um, don't touch the grass or the plants or the trees, but you're allowed to hurt the people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Oh, that sounds pretty bad. So what is this? So some judgment is being rendered here. But that's why the heading of this NLT says the fifth trumpet brings the first terror. They were told not to kill them, but to torture them for five months with pain, like the pain of a scorpion. In those days, people will seek death, but they will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. I, I think this is the future. Um, I, I don't know what this means. Like, I don't know if it's speaking spiritually, metaphorically here, or this is the future, some kind of 
horrible plague is going to fall on earth and i know that doesn't really sound very encouraging or illuminating it sounds very frightening not something you really want to read especially when you have to go to work tomorrow morning but that's it's in the scriptures and even though i'm a little hesitant to go forward i feel that we have to read the word we have to take the good and the bad or the bad as well as the good because god is trying to tell us something here and even if we don't understand let's just show god we want to we want to understand i want to understand what this is i would like the right answer i would like are there multiple answers or is there one definitive right answer i just don't have a concrete plan in my head but i do know that reading it even though i may not understand it i still need to go forward i still need to slog through it because it's god's word and it's not a waste of your time to struggle with something that's God's word. Even if you're way out of your depth, way out of your pay scale, way above your head, I think that by reading it, that we will empower ourselves. And I think it makes God happy. It says the locusts look like horses prepared for battle. So these are not normal locusts. They had what looked like gold crowns on their heads and their faces looked like human faces. They had hair like women's hair and teeth like the teeth of a lion. Scary. They wore armor made of iron and their wings roared like an army of chariots rushing into battle. They had tails that stung like scorpions and for five months they had the power to torment people. Five months, you mean like five actual months? 150 days? Is it 150 years? Like the day-year principle. Someone said the day-year principle and I think that principle came from Ezekiel because God told him to lie on his side and then told him to lie on his side. And he said, every day that you lie on your side, it's going to be equal to one year. So, I mean, Ezekiel had to do some crazy things, you know, and you're th even in Ezekiel, I was reading this and I'm thinking, is this for real? Like, is this God did really tell this guy to lie on his side for 360 days? I mean, really? Like is God, you know, God is doing, this guy's doing things in public. He's showing people things like God is trying to tell people things and, and he's using this man. This man has to do these things. And it's kind of, it seems very horrendous, but he was supposed to lie on his side for um, 360 days and then another time for 30 days. And it was like a day year principle. My point is, is that, is that, that here? Or is it just really five months? And again, is this the future? Has this already happened? Has something been fulfilled? If it has happened in the past, I'm not sure. Let's see. Um, let's see what um, Dr. MacArthur would say here. Revelation 9. Let's see if there's any notes for this. He says the normal life cycle of locusts is five months, usually from May to September. Well, that's interesting. So God is trying to use a real thing, a real locust to teach us something symbolic or teach us something with symbols or it's a symbol for something spiritual or the future i'm not sure one of my friends said it um i don't know he was talking about um helicopters and stinger missiles and he was saying this is something to do with um this is god's way of showing us future tech future technology like this is some kind of a war and this is some kind of a helicopter this is some kind of a army and these are not real scorpions they're actually people inside helicopters and i thought well that's an interesting take on it i've never heard that before it could be um but i just don't definitively know enough about army and tech to say and i don't really 
know that, but I thought that was a very interesting idea that he had. Then it says here, um, verse 10, they had tails that stung like scorpions, and for five months they had the power to torment people. Their king is the angel from the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon, the destroyer. Is this a good angel with a bad name, reputation, or is this an evil angel, or is this Satan? Who is this person that has the key to the bottomless pit? Is the bottomless pit earth, or is it someplace else? Is it a code for hell? Is it a code for some other future time when there's uh, some kind of horrific spiritual war? Is this Armageddon? Verse 12, the first terror is passed, but look, two more terrors are coming. This is not a happy chapter, but we need to go on. The sixth trumpet brings the second terror. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice speaking from the four horns of the golden altar that stands in the presence of God. I remember that horns are supposed to stand for authority. Like there's a, you know, there's a, a being in Revelation 13. Remember, it was like a lamb. It's, it, it, was, it looked like a lamb. It had small horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. But the horns were supposed to represent power. And it obviously looks very benign, very meek, because it, it doesn't have uh, big horns, you know. But yet, it, uh, it speaks like a dragon. So it looks one way, but it speaks another way. But it was just a matter that the horns were very small. But here, the horns are speaking. So a voice is speaking from the authority that's in the presence of God. And the voice said to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great Euphrates River. So who are these four angels? Why are they bound? You know, in Revelation 7, we, again, going back to Revelation 7, we had read this. It said that there were four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth. I thought these were the good guys. I thought they were working for God and God is saying to them, okay, you are holding back the winds of chaos, now release them. But these guys seem to be standing bound at the great Euphrates River, they're bound. And the Euphrates is like a river of life or a very um, mainstream river that's mentioned in the Bible. It says, verse 15, then the four angels who had been prepared for this hour and day and month and year, hour and day and month and year were turned loose to kill one third of all the people on earth one third you mean one third of all the people or one third like the number because it, it when you say one third of the people could it be they're designed to kill the spiritual part of every person on earth that's their job they're they're faith killers they're working for satan or they're destroyers or they're here to um to to blunt people's spiritual awareness spiritual consciousness they're they're here to make people not open to god anymore is that what it means or it is one third means an actual chrono like an actual numerical figure again it's with the one third because we saw that in a previous chapter it says verse 16 i heard the size of their army which was 200 million mounted troops wow 200 million like that doesn't sound like a made-up number, but what that is, I, I, don't, I don't know. What would it say here? What does it say? Let me see if, let me see if uh, John MacArthur has any ideas about this, or any study notes. Does it say anything? 
It says the Euphrates is one of the four rivers that flow to the Garden of Eden, starting with Babel. This region has spawned many of the world's pagan religions. Um, John MacArthur says the hour, the day, the month, and the year is God works according to his predetermined plan. It doesn't really say about the 200 million, but if that's that, that is a lot of that is a lot of uh, angels. Is it demons? 200 million. It doesn't. He doesn't really elaborate on that. Let's go on. And in my vision, I saw the horses and the riders sitting on them. The riders wore armor that was fiery red and dark blue and yellow. Anything with those colors, nothing, nothing comes to mind. The horses had heads like lions. Wow, they had heads like lions. And fire and smoke and burning self were billowed from their mouths. So, I mean, smoke and, you know, that sounds like hellfire. So is that something that Satan would have? Is that the, is that the demons, the demon hordes? Or is that, you know, 200 million, is that, is that angels with power? With, with, with Holy Spirit power, which is fire and smoke and burning sulfur? Verse 18, one third of all the people on earth were killed by these three plagues. I know this does not sound very happy. It doesn't sound very encouraging. It sounds like it would give you a little bit of anxiety, to be honest. And I don't want to be guilty of that. I don't want to be guilty of making people afraid. But at the same time, I can't bury my head and not read this. We have to read this. We have to go through this. We have to struggle with this. Maybe God could give you a dream and say, hey, this is what it means. That's possible too. I mean, if it can happen to Abimelech in Genesis 20, why couldn't it happen to somebody listening? Of course, if, you, if that happened to you and then you had to get on YouTube and tell everybody, hey, I had a dream, most people probably would not believe you. Maybe God just gave it to you for you. But the thing is, when your mind is struggling with something, sometimes when you go to sleep, things happen. You know, I used to read Isaac Asimov and, you know, he was, you know, he's a great science fiction writer, Jewish man, professor, just a really intelligent man and had some great stories. And he said that, you know, uh, he'd go to the movie theater. So his way of, uh, he's struggling with a story. He's trying to piece it together. He'd go to the movie theater. He said, let his mind relax. And then he said his mind would work on things while he's just enjoying the movie. So maybe that was his way of, of uh, writing good um, science fiction novels. I, I would rather say I'd rather go to God than a movie. But I think sometimes when you are trying to reach for something or do something or think something, you're trying to get a name. It, it escapes you. It's on the tip of your tongue. And then when you just relax and you're doing something, you know, like, oh, yeah, that's that's. That's what I was trying to remember. And you just can't because sometimes when you're trying hard to do something, you're actually blocking yourself. It's not flowing naturally, right? So my point is, is that I don't, nothing comes to my mind what these, what, what these three plagues are, who exactly these, um, this army is, what exactly this is. But I think that if we read it and we place it in our minds, at the proper time when God knows that we need this, it will come to fruition. And we'll come to understand what it was. But you won't understand if you don't ever read. Like they say, um, you don't get if you don't ask. If you ask, you might get. But if you don't ask, you won't get. So we're asking God, show us. It's up to God if he wants to or not. That's my bottom line. It says their mouth, their power was in their mouths and in their tails. That's interesting. 
for their tails had heads like snakes with the power to injure people. What does that mean? Like snakes can bite people, they can inject poison into you. Is this spiritual poison? You know, um, snakes have forked tongues. And we always think of somebody who's speaking with a forked tongue as someone who lies. But lies have the power to deceive people. Deception is very powerful because lies need truth. You know, there are people in this world who can lie really convincingly well. Scammers. Even Stephen King used to say, you know, I'm not a writer. I'm just a really good liar who, who makes up really good lies for money. And he was just speaking tongue in cheek. I'm not saying that he's a terrible, evil person, but I'm just saying that the power in their mouths um, could be like, like the ability to deceive people. So again, it shows that these beings, they're not good beings, they're evil beings, they're demons. That demons lie, demons make up things. Demons are evil geniuses that were once good angels, but now they have become evil and they're working for the devil. They're like the devil. And they're still smart and they're still intelligent, but they're wicked. Their job is to do wickedness and to think of wicked things. And they're going all out to do that, to tempt people, to make people go to sleep, to make people forget about God, to make people apathetic to God. Oh, don't read the Bible. It's just a lot of nonsense. It's just old parchment written up by people in the old days. It's got nothing to do with you now. God is not relevant. God doesn't care about you. God is not speaking. Yeah, he did that in the old days. But these days, these are, these are new days. These are, it's a new paradigm. You know what I mean? Just forget about that religion stuff. Move on. You don't need God. God is just religion. That's just formula. That's for people who were afraid and didn't know how to think and they were very tribal. But we are we have everything that we could want these days. We have science, we have everything. We know everything. That sounds pretty deceptive to me. Verse 20. But the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. Boy, I don't know what these plagues are. Was COVID a plague? People are still talking about COVID, how it's kind of wrecked the church attendance and how it caused people to become more mistrustful of each other and how it brewed arguments about, you know, um, the vaccine and whatnot. So um, was was COVID a plague? It was a pandemic. It wasn't an epidemic. It was a worldwide pandemic and not only affected people physically, it also hit them mentally, emotionally and spiritually. Is that a plague? It could be. They continued to worship demons and idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that can neither see nor hear nor walk. Is that, is that money when you worship money? Worrying about money. I got to have a good life. Everybody wants it. My dad's trying to win money with the lottery. It's like, this is useless. Like, I can't convince him not to do this. You know, this is something that he wants. This is his fun. But really, does, is it really going to make you happy? Is it going to take away your problems? Is it going to... Is it is it... People who win lots of money, sometimes you, they follow them and they find out they're bankrupt in five or six months. They win a lot of money, but they don't know how to handle it. And they're, no, they're not any better off than they were before. In fact, they're worse. You can't really put things into your mind. There's a space in everybody that needs, that needs God, that needs relationship, that needs connection. And no things, no matter how many things you have or what expensive things you have, will, will ever satisfy that. And there's a, it says here, verse 21, and they did not repent of their murders or their witchcraft or their sexual immorality or their thefts. 
Uh, the ESV says, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. And I was told the word for sorceries um, is a word that's very related to, it says the Greek word, okay, so John MacArthur says this too. The Greek word is the root of the English word pharmacy. Drugs in the ancient world were used to dull the senses and induce a state suitable for religious experiences such as sense, seances, witchcrafts, incantations, and cavorting with mediums. Is there a lot of drug use today? Is it recreational drugs that are being used today? Um, I guess I could get people mad at me. I could say bodybuilding. I love bodybuilding. I love the idea of muscles and that. There's a lot of drugs in bodybuilding. Like it's, it, I think in the 70s, it wasn't so crazy, but now it's just, and people talk about it so openly on YouTube now. They don't hide it anymore. Maybe they just figure there's no point in hiding it. Everybody's just too smart. But it's like this ramp up of drugs. I'm not saying not to use drugs. I am not. A, this is not medical advice. I am not super um, um, usurping your doctor's advice. It just when I went to California and they had a lot of commercials for different drugs, it's like the guy talks really fast. They use a really big word and the drug can do um, certain things it can help you in a certain way, but it can have a lot of side effects. Like our society is very drug based. We have a lot of stuff going on. But then again, you could say coffee is a drug. Hey, sugar is a drug. We need, you know, sugar to get going in the morning. We need coffee to get going. We need other drugs to calm us down. You know, somebody was saying about Elvis that he died way too young and he was just using way too many things because he, he had to keep on going. He, he had a hectic schedule and he had to keep on performing and he was taking things to get him up, taking things to bring him down. And it just had a, a disastrous effect on his physiology. So when you talk about uh, these words for sorceries, is, is this a sign of our times, our society? Is this the now? Is this, you know, we have knowledge. Don't, don't misunderstand. We can use drugs to help people and lengthen the quality, lengthen their lives and increase the quality of their lives. There are good things, but there's side effects with all of this. And if you're having a bad life, if you're messing yourself up and then you get sick and you go running to the doctor and you say to the doctor, give me a pill, fix this. The doctor can't fix the years of abuse. He can't fix it with a drug. That's all I'm saying. I'm not dissing. We have to respect doctors. We have to respect scientists who have these abilities to be able to think of these things and delve into science and be able to do these experiments. We have to respect that. But, but if we do create these kind of tools, drugs and pharmacy and stuff, we have to use them wisely and sparingly. And I think also somebody said to me, we also have to use natural remedies too. But when you get really sick, then you can't. When my mother got a cancer, she had to have an operation and she didn't want to take chemo. She had to take chemo. You know, juicing, using carrots, things like that, those are good things. But when you get a when you get a disease like a cancer, then you have to have a medical intervention. And that usually involves surgery, medicine, doctors, medical advice, and drugs to be able to control and put the thing back into a normal state. But I know people who have cancer and they are definitely watching what they eat, definitely watching their diet, definitely controlling what they put into their mouths because now, now their health and their strength depends on putting good fuel into their body. They can't abuse their bodies like maybe 
we can, you know, when we're not sick, we say, okay, we can have this donut or whatever. We, we need to everything in moderation. And on that note, um, you know, you don't know me, but you know, I go to church and one of my jobs was to, um, to be a teller. So when they have tithe in the church, um, I would, I was trained how to uh, count it because two people have to count the money. And then I'm usually the one It sort of fell on me to go and take the deposit to the safety deposit box. So there is a man, he's a retired pastor, he's 70 years old. Uh, he has been counting with me. And when we count the money together, we talk, we've become friends. I met him when I first went to the church. You know, he was a tiny, he wasn't a tall man, always smiling, always had a cup of coffee. Re super friendly to me. I thought, is he crazy? But <laughs> why is he following me around? What do you want? But we became friends and today uh, he's 70 and um you know at a time in his life when he uh wants to relax and when he wants to spend time with his family um he's gotten a really bad pneumonia and he's gone to the doctor and there are spots on his lungs we don't know the prognosis and i would just ask if there's anybody out there um who can pray for somebody that they don't know a fellow brother in christ 70 year old man who served the church and was a pastor and now has gone to the doctor and the doctor says um, they've done some tests they found some spots of concern and he's going to get the results either sometime this week so if you could pray for him for a good outcome for healing and for whatever whatever the pathway is if it involves you know what that God will show us the right strategies to be able to mitigate this and to beat it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your time. You can't get the time back, but I hope the time was used wisely so that you could say, I feel closer to God and I read his word. You will never feel apart from God when you read his word. God bless you all.